1: Thank you so much. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Done Being Single. We are done being single. We are. But before we were done being single, we suffered. Mightily. We did. We suffered through every type of dating, disaster, almost every behavior, time. bad behavior. Yes. Right?
0: We did. We experienced lots of that. From others.
1: Shady, sketchy.
0: We exposed the ugliness of ourselves to others. We, we went through it all.
1: I experienced the dark side of dating. Yes. I did. Which included a lot. Trust. Trust issues.
0: It's a very big issue in dating and in relationships.
1: Everywhere you go, there's trust issues. You're right. How and do you trust somebody? We're going to talk about that today because I would have liked to have had better skills back in the day. I was burned. I uh, trusted and got burned. And you know what? To be quite honest, I also— I don't want to say that I transgressed, but I did. I got cheated on, and I cheated. Really? Yes. Let's not go there, though.
0: Did I know that? I you think know, I let's know you go cheated there. there. Cheated
1: you on. know, let's go there because this is this is what this show is all about. And I have gotten cheated on, and but I, you know, I've done s- uh, some stuff that's I'm not proud of. But I, uh, I, I think- was uninformed. I was young. I was stupid. That was just a few years ago, by mm-hmm. the way.
0: <laughs> right. Well, the young part was. <laughs> uh, but I think that we we you know I can I am guilty of that as well. When I was young and stupid and did things that I thought, oh, you know, what's the big deal? Right. I, I, can, I can, I'm thinking I can get away with it. Just that uh, this feels good. I think I'm going to do it, and then right. I realized, oh my god, this, I, I did a bad thing. It's, I should not have done that.
1: Right.
0: And I will never do that again.
1: And right. This is this is the beauty of growth. That was last week. <laughs> so. uh oh, yeah, trust. I've had some trust. Me and trust have had an interesting relationship. And I, I've did you guys been, go out long? We didn't. We did. <laughs> we went out for like fifty years. <laughs> I, I, there were times where uh, you know I'm a trusting person by nature. I really am. It's uh, what's the old saying? Uh, you're you're innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. You are. You are in my mind. And, I and open.
0: That's actually a really important thing, I think, to be. Is I I am the same way. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I know. Uh, I am trusting first. You have to do something to cause me to not trust you. And there are people that I think are the opposite. You have to build your trust in them in order for them to let you in and trust you first. Me, I'm trusting of everybody. Until yeah. you show me something that is not trustworthy, then I, uh, I'm going to start. The defenses go up a little bit more.
1: Yes, especially... Trust is a big thing when you're, I guess, well, for everybody, but particularly for single women, um, when you want to find love, you want to be in love, have a relationship, get married. Wow. When you are, when all those, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, cylinders, not cylinders, uh, are firing? Cylinders, Cylinders? yeah, When all those cylinders are firing, boy, do you give your trust away. Sometimes too fast, and I am, I'm guilty of that. And
0: so there's a there's an amount of trust I think that is probably uh, okay to give away, and too much is too much, unless it's in the, it's, unless it's being received by somebody that knows how to handle that and deal with that right. properly. And not enough trust is also can be an issue. So there is a balance that we may not think about when we're in a dating situation or meeting somebody, and it could be a a business relationship, whatever that is, uh, that is unspoken, but we probably should address it and learn more about it.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested in the psychology of trust and the psychology of cheating, because I think it's very deep, and I think it's not talked about enough. I think there is Tremendous amounts of secrecy and shame and stigma attached to infidelity and trust and faith, and it's kind of interesting to me because I know— I think I know that it's not what you think it is. It's not, you know, when you hear that people cheat or if you've been cheated on, you take it personally and you think, oh, it's me. I must have done something wrong. I did it. It's I'm not this enough or that enough. And, you know, from what I've read and learned and our guest today is going to help us really understand this. It doesn't I don't think it has much to do with you as it does that person and the pathology in that person. I can tell you that I I've been I, I have really been burned. I gave my trust away. I did not uh I should have made that person earn my trust. And I didn't because uh, all of like I said, those I was firing in all cylinders at the time, particularly in my forties, when I really was like, uh single and wanting to get married and wanting love and wanting to be in a relationship. And sometimes one's desperation or urgency overrides their good sense and good judgment and they end up making bad choices or giving their trust away to people that don't deserve it. That was me.
0: It's nice to know that you can look back and reflect and and know that you're now with somebody that does yes. trust you.
1: Yeah, and oh gosh, how many times? I remember in the beginning, I'd say to you, you know, if you're gonna cheat on me, just tell me, just tell me, like just tell me you're gonna do it, because I was so used to it. Yeah, I was that was so, a weird
0: thing to hear from somebody. I was like, just
1: so because I thought, oh, it just comes with the territory. But you didn't trust because me because men are like that
0: either. You did not trust me. You know, you didn't trust any man, I think, at this at this stage in your life. You were thinking the worst first.
1: Well I, that's what I do. And that
0: is what you do. You go to the now you know darkest I place I do first. I do. Yes. I do. And because of that, uh, whatever first date plans I had went right out the window because right, you I didn't just, trust you. You didn't trust me. You didn't trust any it wasn't just me. It just you didn't trust no, any this is, man but this to make is, a decision.
1: No, but this on is or
0: how to drive or
1: anything. But that's what you get when you date a woman at 50, <laughs> who's never been married? You, it, I'm. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Why? Well, you know, so, you can't.
1: You're, you brought, you're a little cynical. I mean, come on, you are cynical. You get to a certain no, age, no, no. And, just, I, and don't you get sort of hardened uh, and jaded and, and cynical? Nah. Yes, you did. You big fat liar. Uh, Where is the beef? Right. Where is the beef? I used to say. And well, by beef, I mean where is the, <laughs> where's the stability? Where's the trust? Right. Where is that? Where's that solid? What is that that I can depend on? I mean, I had some spectacular cheating victim of cheating. You know, again, look who I was dating—guys who were one second separated, or you know, five minutes divorced. You know, I could have it, huh, duh and i trusted them that they were all good and ready and healed and they you know the
0: the interesting thing here is that you brought that to our relationship and yes. this is exactly what we tell people not to do
1: i did i brought so, some uh i brought some distrust so into the relationship
0: it's so important that people are not bringing that baggage because that's bad. that is baggage and that is something that will affect a potential great relationship that you can't even get off the ground if you are bringing this thing with you. You're dragging this thing that of of not trusting people, and not giving this new person a chance to show who they are.
1: Yeah, it's on me. It was totally on me that I. It was my own insecurity. I. It was my own. PTSD, if you will, Yeah. you can't blame me if you've been devastated and betrayed enough times, then you, you're, you're, you know, you feel that, okay, well, all men must be this way, or just has, it's always so, this way. But this is,
0: I think, such a big part Your of our show, um, such a big part of our show is we are letting people know that we all need to be healed prior to Introducing ourselves to a new relationship. We need to be as strong as we can individually. Yes. With ourselves.
1: And yes. Happy.
0: Content. Secure. Yes. Confident as much as possible before we can introduce ourselves to somebody new because Yes. Otherwise, we're going to be thrusting all of that crap onto this person and they don't know what's going to hit them.
1: Well, let's just say, bottom line, there are no guarantees. Even if... I mean, come on. People find shit out all the time. You think you know someone. And look what happens. Shit happens. In, even the best of us get cheated on. Can we just talk about it's the true. people that we, not we know, but, oh. you know, beautiful people. Uh, Halle Berry and Christy Brinkley right. and who else? Uh, oh. d- uh,
0: That's two. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> who
1: else? With That big, high-profile, you know, got, you know yeah. gorgeous people. And you think, Jesus, if they can be cheated. on." Uh, Melania. D- Melania. Please um, no. I
0: mean, there's no Jennifer shortage. Aston. There's no shortage of men and women that have been. You know, you're, you're you're thinking of just you know popular people. But what about Joe Joe Blow down the street, whose wife is going out on him tonight? And you know, so yeah, right. Every it it's just part of society. Unfortunately, it's a really ugly part. And uh, we're going to talk about this. We're going to address what's going on here and and why people do this and how oh, we can get you know over that and find out how you know what can we do if even those of us that have been guilty of that way back in the past and you know I I know I dealt with it and I feel very comfortable knowing I have zero interest in being with anybody else I, I
1: just I love you so I love much you thank just, you thanks never, I've been hurt I've, yeah I've been no, really hurt and so, I know that it is incumbent upon me to make sure that I have a strong infrastructure because like I said there are no guarantees you don't know it's, you know things some things last some things don't I've, I I have unfortunately too much experience with that because things never lasted for me Where's this? Where's the crying <laughs> sound effect? Uh, right. Where, well, where's somewhere. the little violin? Mm. Can I pull out my? Li- <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that's you know. Can yeah. I
1: tell a really funny story? Uh, it's ahead. a bad cheating story.
0: Oh, we love a good bad cheating story. I mean, it's
1: so bad, it's good. <sighs> it's just, it's terrible. So I, for I, mm. I dated a, a sex addict. I did not know he was a sex addict. Until about three weeks in, he confessed to me that he had cheated on his wife. Uh, That's not good. No, and not just once, but like with multiple. And he finally told me, because I said, so why why now? Why are you getting divorced after 20-something years? And he said, well, I cheated on my wife. And I said, oh. And he, and he said, yeah, but not just once. I mean, I, I cheated a lot. I went like oh Tiger Woods. He oh, went Tiger Woods oh, really? and went into treatment. No joke. I'm not even making this up. Okay? So I said, well... You're not going to do that to me, are you? He said, "No, never. I would never do do that to you. you're I, I'm I'm not that man. And he, what you're shaking is your head? This the scorpion and the
0: frog. This is the. What
1: are you shaking your head? You not do you want you I, don't want me to finish the story?
0: Is it not the scorpion and the frog?
1: Well, I. It, you get. Or okay. you want to tell the rest of the story? for no. me? No.
0: Well, no. I just know that story.
1: Okay. Well, of course it's the scorpion and the frog. Can I finish my story? Yes. Okay. So he goes, "Oh no no no! I'm never going to do that to you." Well, so guess what? About a month into dating, okay, a month when things are hot and heavy and like what he told me that he cheated on me, he actually told me. Okay. Okay. So, I.
0: The moral of it, that story is. The moral
1: is that that oh okay, dingbat over here took him back because I thought oh you poor thing you know yeah I don't know what I was thinking. You're okay, are
2: despicable.
1: Okay. And the other part of it was, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That's what I'm saying. Who was it? It, I don't know. I'm saying. I couldn't, I didn't take it personally because I was at that point smart enough to know this guy's got a problem. Okay. That's the end of the story. We have to go to a
0: break. Okay. So we are going to go to a break and then we are going to come out with our guest, Anita. Chapala. Anita Chapala. So we'll be right back.
1: Okay, so to break this all down for us, we've got an expert. Her name is Anita Chapala, and she believes everyone can have a happy and satisfying relationship, and she's on a mission to prove it. She's been featured on WGN Radio, CBS, and Fox 32, and frequently quoted in publications such as the Chicago Tribune, Today, Harper's Bazaar, Martha Stewart Weddings, Brides, Huff Post, Men's Health, Elle, and Glamour. This chick gets around. Jesus. (laughs) Anita is the author of First Comes Us The Busy Couples Guide to Lasting Love, a 365 day tip book that offers practical and quick tips to help couples stay connected and make their love last. She is the founder of Relationship Reality 312. A therapy practice that focuses on teaching singles and couples the information and tools to have a healthy relationship. Anita is a licensed marriage and family therapist and received her master's degree in marital and family therapy from the University of San Diego. I told you she was an expert. Wow. This chick knows her. Impressive. She... Anita, welcome to Dunbean Single. Anita. Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for being on.
1: Okay, you heard us chatting. And you heard me going on and on and on, which I usually do. And I'm sorry about that. But go ahead. I'm dying to know what you think. Yeah. I mean, you brought up uh, a lot of really good
2: points. Um, and one being that cheating is usually not about any, like, deficiencies or anything wrong with a other partner. And I think that's something that is really important for people to know because, uh, you know, with infidelity, when it does happen... You know, it's, it's really easy to look inwardly and look at, you know, like damage your self-esteem, thinking you're not worthy. You know, what was it about this affair partner that's better than me? And there's a lot of variables that play a role into why people cheat. Um, and research even shows, like you've been brought up, like all these beautiful, you know, models or celebrities, you know, being cheated on. And uh, research shows that. Uh, People don't necessarily cheat with anyone who is better than their partner. It might just be because someone is different.
0: That makes Hmm. sense. Difference is, is different. I don't think anybody seeks out somebody better. I don't think they seek out different either. But I think that is it an insecurity within the cheater that makes them susceptible to cheating?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, security is definitely one aspect of it, but there are a lot, like even something as simple as opportunity, you know, it's, you know, you end up going into a work environment and someone doesn't, maybe doesn't care that you're married and flirts with you and, you know, initiates lunch meetings. I mean, you have the opportunity there and it could be that, I mean, there could be some unmet needs in the marriage or in the relationship and but like happy people can cheat like I mean I've even worked with couples where I've asked them like was there anything in the marriage or in the relationship that has you know contributed to this or like were you unhappy were you happy and sometimes people will actually say like that they're happy and it was because of opportunity or they minimized you know the actual you know act But sometimes insecurity does play a role where someone might feel inadequate, and then getting the attention of a third party boosts their ego, their self-esteem, their feeling of self-worth. But there are so many variables, you know, to consider.
1: Anita, uh, I really, I want to go way back, like back to family of origin. And I want to, if we can... Because I'm, sure. I, my guess is that you do go there, and you do go to the origins of, of trust. And I think that it's, it's sort of taught to you at an early age, if it's, or it, you see it, or you learn trust, or it's around you, and you saw your parents, or you didn't see your parents trust each other. Is it safe to say that that's kind of where it begins? Um, it could potentially, I mean, I actually focus more on
2: conflict, um, and whether or not there was infidelity in previous generations, especially with the parents. So, um, I'll look at and and actually I look at attachment style. I don't know if you two know much about attachment, but, uh, like one common variable of people who cheat is that they're conflict avoidant. And so I assessed for that very early on. And so far I would say almost hundred percent of my clients who have cheated have stated that they're conflict avoidant. And so that's when we kind of go back to the past a little bit and see, you know, was it, how did it, their, how did their family of origin handle conflict? How were feelings addressed, you know, and all of that. And then also looking at attachment because another common characteristic of people who cheat is that they're avoidantly attached. And so they can only handle intimacy for so long before they have to pull away. Like these are people who really enjoy or need distance, um, especially, you know, when things are getting too intimate. And so I will look at, you know, did you have a, like, what was your relationship like with your parents? Did you have a, you know, good caregiver? Uh, So sometimes that can affect whether or not a person cheats. And then if there's cheating in the, you know, with the parents or, you know, potentially grandparents, if it's like culturally acceptable or expected in the, you know, in the family. And so kind of like like the messages that have been internalized by my clients when that's happened in their family.
1: And I know this to be true because I actually, I see it. I've, I can see things in my own family and then I also have friends whose Let's say father um, cheated, and the mother didn't leave, and the mother tolerated it. And then, and then the daughters tend to become a, like a legacy, and they put up or tolerate with bad behavior because they saw it, and that's what they were taught. And it feels like they have—they're just helpless to taking control of their, their choices and decisions.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's common as well. Um, and so like in those situations, I'll ask, you know, my client, well, what kind of meaning did you make out of that? Or did you have conversations with your, uh, let's say in this instance, your mom, like, why did she stay? Did you talk to your parent? And sometimes like I'll have my client as an adult talk to their parents about what happened to kind of get some maybe information that maybe they haven't discussed
1: before. So are you, can uh, I don't know how to put this, uh, predisposed to being a cheater if you grew up with it? I don't think so. No, because
2: I, it's not something, well, one, like the majority of my clients, I would say, easily 99% of my clients are not like the once a cheater, always a cheater. You know, they're not the philanderers or like the ones who are just constantly cheating and that's all, you know, they want to do and they don't have any remorse. Like my clients actually do feel bad. They want to understand why they did what they did. Um, but I think it's important Like, I mean, this is apparent, whether it's cheating or any other relationship issue, our families do affect us. I mean, we do learn about how to relate in romantic relationships, you know, from our parents, potentially grandparents, aunts and uncles. And so um, it's not necessarily that we're predisposed, but are we aware of it? How much communication do we have? What have we learned from it? Making sure we're, you know, catching the assumptions or watching the assumptions and the judgments that we're making, Um, And then hopefully going to therapy to process all of it.
0: It's fascinating. Uh, There's many levels of cheating too. I would say, obviously, on the uh, most extreme level is a physical cheating of having sex with somebody outside of your marriage or something along those lines, of course. But there's more innocent forms, I think, of cheating that I think are construed as cheating. And that could be flirtatious behavior mm-hmm. at work <clears throat> that may be emotional know, cheating. There's emotional cheating, absolutely. And can you talk about that a little bit too and what that does.
2: Yes. Uh so there are a couple different words that we use, um, like I map out like the slippery slope with my clients, like what are the steps that got them to the point of either having an emotional affair, a physical affair, or a combination. A new word that's been, I've noticed it's coming up probably in the last two to three years is micro-cheating. And it's basically like the same concept, just a different word. But micro cheating is the steps that you take that could potentially be cheating or lead you to cheating. And the problem with that, and what you know we see frequently with our couples, is that nobody necessarily will always agree on what cheating is. Like there are so many layers, as you said. And so, it's really important for a couple to have ongoing communication about what constitutes cheating. And I will tell you, in just like my own work, uh, I mean, I've worked with couples and infidelity for over 13 years now, I have asked every single one of my clients who see me for infidelity, can I, you know, in the initial consultation, I'm like, let me just ask you a question. Out of curiosity, have you defined cheating prior to this incident or incidences? Can you guess how many people have said yes? None. None. 0%. And so, with especially now with social media, technology, it is so easy. And this is what we're constantly seeing and why this is not pathological, but more like being aware of your surroundings and the actions that you take and your boundaries and things like that, that, you know what you do like what you think isn't cheating could actually be cheating to your partner and i also differentiate between just because you like a behavior doesn't necessarily mean that it's not cheating but it could still break trust and that i think is just as important to address if it was an actual like affair or actual cheating had happened but i highly encourage people to define cheating both emotional physical and kind of, you know, you can even make a game out of it. Like, hey, if a coworker texted you at 11 o'clock at night, you know, is that cheating? Well, if it only happens once, no. But what if this coworker constantly texted you at 11 o'clock at night? Like, where do you draw the line? And people, couples are not having these conversations, and they need to have these kind of conversations in
1: order to protect their relationship. Mm-hmm. That's such an important thing to do, to define what your zero tolerance is. Positions are on You're, you're on going things. to question
0: if your spouse was answering texts at 11 o'clock at night. And who's that? Oh, it's Jim from the office or, you know, right. Sally. Right. I, you know, I don't know what. So right. why are they contacting you now? What is that about?
2: Right. Or the person who is receiving the text could be very transparent and say, yeah, it is Jim from the office. Like, here's the text message so that they see it. So they know there's nothing going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't uh, make it right. No, no. no. Mm-hmm. There's bound. There's got to be boundaries. There's just appropriate and non-appropriate, right. and so, gosh, okay. This is bringing up a lot of. Are we going to break? We're going
0: to go to a break right now. Okay, because I. Okay. Yes, but uh, lives. Obviously, there's lots to talk about here. Yeah. So uh, we will be right back with our guest Anita Chapala, and we are back with Anita Chapala.
1: Okay, Anita. So let's start with me, which okay. is always my favorite subject. But
0: you know that. <laughs> It's not about you. Yes, okay. it is. All right, it is about you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, Anita, I guess I gather that you can you can gather that I've been traumatized a little bit, that I have, you know, some scar tissue from being betrayed. I've been betrayed a lot. And yes, I had trust issues. And it really bothered me because I, I like to, you know, think of myself as a very strong, self-assured woman, but... After a few, you know, it kind of uh, messes with your head, whether it's betrayals or rejection, or and I've had a bunch, and so yeah, I came into, I met uh, Robbie, and I kept asking him, you know, if you're going to cheat, tell me, tell me you're going to cheat because I need, I need to know. And isn't that a
0: lovely thing to encounter and, um, in a woman? You know, I mean, really, you know, you're on a date uh, with somebody, and she's asking me this, and this was not even early on in their relationship. This was this was a couple of months in, I think, right? This wasn't like the second date. No, no this, right. But and so I'm thinking, what, why, why, honey, why would you ask that? I mean, I, I don't feel. Why would you? Because,
1: but because, you
2: know, I, 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 but I, I could also even answer that. Um, but like pretty frequently, what happens is the betrayed partner will say that the lying and the deceit is actually worse than the actual cheating. Yeah it erodes the trust a lot more with the, with the deception behind it. So actually, especially with travel, your history of being cheated on, I can understand why you would tell Robbie, look, if you're going to do it, just tell me because it's a lot easier to handle the truth up front, right. being honest right. instead of having to deal with lies or, you know, finding out uh, the truth later on it. And you know, you mentioned PTSD. For anyone listening who has been cheated on and you feel like a fool and crazy, people who are cheated on do experience PTSD symptoms. doesn't mean you're gonna get the diagnosis or anything, but I would recommend, you know, looking up online the symptoms of PTSD so you know that you're not going crazy.
1: Yeah, thanks. I knew that I wasn't, and like I said, a lot of it was it, it was so shameful to me and i'd get mad at myself because i knew i was better than that and i i never had trust issues until i got into my 40s and that's when the trust shit hit the fan and it was i had some bad experiences that sort of hardened me unfortunately i mean they were i guess good in retrospect i mean i remember First, I just want to say that I give great credit to uh, anybody who can stay in a marriage after being cheated on I, I can't I don't know if I don't know how they do it I have a very good friend whose husband cheated on her repeatedly for a while and they separated and she ended up taking him back and I just remember a boyfriend of mine that cheated and a- after he did every time his phone would ring or the text would chime or any little ding dong or whatever i would it was like a pavlovian dog response i would think yep. immediately who's that who's he talking to who's yes. calling him mm-hmm. and it and i thought this you is never this is never going to last right because it the distrust will eat me alive it will just destroy everything, and it will destroy, and it did, and I ended up, eventually, I got my ass kicked, I couldn't leave on my own terms, of course, I had to find out that he had, can, Where's the? can I pull out my little violin again? Yeah, where that, huh? Where's the crying uh-huh. sound effect? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, but seriously, the, the topper was, I found out, he was, he had a secret dating life online, and it was so bad, and I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me, so, Can you blame me that I come to this marriage with, you know, uh, some trust issues and I need to know how does, how does someone get through it? Their, their trust issues, how do they battle them and, and conquer them so that they don't bring them around? They don't carry them around like, you know, some kind of like weight. Yeah. And I mean, I do think
2: context matters, but like for someone who. Is anxious and they worry about their partner's attention, you know, interest in them, they're preoccupied with the relationship. It's really important for someone who's anxious to be with someone who's emotionally available. And so, when I was talking about the avoidant attachment earlier, a common term, uh, you know, that you read in online blogs is the uh, emotionally unavailable, let's say, man. And so, there's a tendency of anxious women to pursue or be interested in the emotionally unavailable man. And so one way of even from the get-go as a single person to make sure that you're setting yourself up for more relationship success is to find someone who actually is okay with intimacy, likes connection, is a good communicator, uh, you know, like isn't afraid of love or isn't afraid to be vulnerable and these are things that you can pick up you know within easily within two to three months because there are a lot of signs um you know to look out for and then like the thing is is that I also don't believe that we have to be like 100 percent okay on our own in order to be in a healthy relationship because I think one maybe like um one thing about a, like a, a relationship is that I think each partner has the responsibility of their partner's well-being. So I hope that made sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's your responsibility uh, to be mindful of your partner's well-being. The thing is, you're not 100% responsible for that. It's impossible, right? And so, for example, Trevor, like you would have to, you know, manage that anxiety or you would have to maybe tell Robbie, hey, I'm feeling a little anxious you Know or can you tell me that you love me? I'm looking for some reassurance that's very healthy, it is not does not make you needy or desperate. And then, Robbie, knowing that you have maybe a little bit more anxiety, you know, can take that extra step to make you feel reassured, safe, and secure in the relationship. Good Correct. stuff, yes. Okay, that's
1: so really important, really great. Do you have a question?
0: Yeah. No, I think okay, it's a great so. Point.
1: So say you're a woman, you're a single woman in your forties, fifties, and sixties, and you've either never, never been married or you're divorced. How do you manage your, uh, your trust issues so that you don't come off looking like a wackadoodle that you don't come <laughs> off looking like, cause nothing is more unappealing than a desperate, uh, needy person that just needs assurance, assurance, assurance. Where do you find that if it's not necessarily like a natural thing for you? How do you find your own sense of, I guess, uh, what what would it be, lovey? Security? Security. Okay. Well, but is it uh,
2: like you're dating someone exclusively in the beginning or you just just met someone? Yeah, you're
1: just out there in the dating world. You're on the market and mm-hmm. you've been hurt you're in your you know you've been around yep. the block okay you've got some like i said some emotional scar tissue who hasn't yep. at this age how do you not come off how do you not sabotage a new relationship because you're so scared of getting hurt or you're so scared of getting cheated on it's almost like you're expecting it how do you stop yourself from going there
2: right well i think this goes back to one of the earlier comments that you were making about You know, are you the type of person that trusts first until you get burned or are you the type of person that waits, you know, and allows trust to build? I think as a single person, especially now with the access to people on dating apps, you should be the latter. And so I see a lot, especially with my female clients, that they trust guys from the get go without them even knowing anything about the guy. It's like after a two, three hour date, they think this guy is going to be their future husband. Yes. And I'm like, do you know if he has a temper or a drug problem? Right. Um, And so I think if one, you should be dating multiple people. So don't just put all of your eggs in one basket, because then that will lessen the focus that you have on one person. And I tell my clients all of the time, the one question that you want to keep reminding yourself in your head is, can this person meet my needs? Because oftentimes the way that people date is they're so focused on getting the other person to like them. Mm -hmm. And that's, I I, I mean, I I just don't think that's a healthy way to date. I think instead you should be dating with the mindset of, can this person meet my needs? And again, not in an entitled way. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that Oftentimes, we can bend over backwards, especially with infatuation. We focus more on the heart and not on the head. And then so we're not really good at picking who could be a good partner. But uh, someone who is w- either naturally able to meet your needs or when you bring up your needs and they're willing to compromise, that's the person you want to keep in your life versus you know bringing up a need and then the person bolts. And I also tell clients, I'm like, you want to give it at least two to three months for patterns to develop. And, you know, even if people get married later in life, you know, let's say you're married for 30 years, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, you're, you know, I'm like, do you really want to make a decision about who's going to be a good partner for you after, let's say, six hours of dating or eight hours of dating? But people do that all the time they have two dates and then they're like, oh, I think I've met the one. Yeah. I'm like, you don't even know yeah. this person well enough to know whether or not you can make a relationship work, let alone have a healthy marriage.
0: I agree. And I think what you said about online dating is really important because I'm used to trusting initially when you meet somebody physically in, a, in some environment. Uh, it's easier to trust somebody when you meet them that way as opposed to online, you have no idea who they are. So I think it's, more important to hold back, not be disclosing of everything at all times to all people and don't be so transparent, uh, withhold some information. But for me, again, I am a trusting person initially that you have to do something a little harmful to me in order for my guards to go up. And it's not (laughs) something I'm comfortable being guarded first, but... I, when I encounter some people, I think I am that way, though. But Well, you're, you're a very
1: self-possessed guy, self-possessed. So, first of all. So you're confident. And you already... You, I mean, you're not... You don't have an erotic bone in your body. I mean, you really... <laughs> you do not, unlike me.
0: Not that I should. I'm
1: like walking, you know, ball of anxiety. <laughs> but love is, hard. love is scary. Love is very scary. You put yourself out there. And you open yourself up, and you don't know, you just you just never know. And you know, you add in some, if you've had some experiences that weren't so great, and then that kind of adds to the whole sort of hardness or, or, or like the cynicism, as I was saying earlier. And it's, I see it all the time. I, I see it, I saw it in myself, but I see it with some of my single girlfriends who are now in their 50s and 60s. And it's not easy to st- keep your heart soft. It's a real challenge. How do you do it? How do you keep your heart soft and and yet protect yourself and trust all at the same time? Right. But I mean, I think
2: it is about taking the time to allow that trust to build. And I think part of what even Robbie is saying is like if you be careful about what you share or like maybe not be careful, but, you know, maybe you want to share something small you know, be vulnerable, I'm, I, I do ask my clients to be vulnerable, but it's like start with something maybe small, whatever that is, and then see how the person reacts. That's
1: good.
2: And you know, I also tell my singles, it's like if you want to, like you sometimes have to pull back, and or I should say maybe step back, because you're still emotionally available, you're still present, you still show interest but you can't allow your anxiety to get the best of you. And you're initiating more of the contact you're initiating the dates when you're wondering, does this person like me? And so you, you need to maybe step back a little bit to allow the space for the other person to step up. Like that's another way of knowing, okay, is this person interested? And the thing is, not everybody is going to be upfront with you about their intentions. Cause you said maybe someone's divorced or, you know, separated. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I've met guys who, uh, you know, clients who will have been maybe broken up for a year and they're still not ready. They're not over their girlfriend or they're not ready for anything serious. So like they are taking their time.
1: Yeah, I dated them.
2: Yeah, but I think it is so important, and that's why I think, I, again, from my female clients, they're so scared to speak up for what they need because they think that they're going to be crazy, desperate, and needy, and so I'm trying to get them to shift their thinking and actually ask for their needs or speak up or let a guy know what's important to them and then see how you know he responds, and then they that, that would be a pretty clear idea of whether or not the guy's you know interested or emotionally available himself. That's a good test.
0: And on that note, we have to take a break. Our final break of the show. No. So, yes, but we will be back.
1: That is crazy.
0: We, it's the way it works. Uh, we will be right back with I don't trust more. that.
1: <laughs> I don't trust you. Are you lying to me?
0: No, I am not lying to you. I trust we will be right back with more Anita. Right back. Okay, we are back with Anita Chapala. And, Anita, I have some myths about cheating that I'd like to ask you and... sure get your opinion on this once a cheater always a cheater
2: yes that is completely false Hmm. maybe not uh, i mean there could be there i mean i'm sure there are you know people i could probably count on one hand in the last 13 years that i've been working with infidelity that the person who was cheating just did not want to change but the vast majority easily you know, around 95% of the people that at least I have worked with, they were not, they were not chronic cheaters. Okay. And obviously, you know, I get the people who actually want to work on their relationship <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's you know, a lot of cheating that goes unaddressed or just not found out, but it's not the case for everybody. You know, and that is a common myth that I hear. So, and again, kind of Trevor, what you were saying earlier about, you don't know how people can stay in a relationship, but if people believe that, then yes, it makes it a lot harder to try to stay and work on the relationship.
1: That's before I got married. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's just, you know, for the record, say that since I've been married, a lot has changed in the way I view marriage and and the the bond. It was easy for me when I was single to look at my married friends who were being mistreated and go, how could you stay? Oh, my God. But you know what? Right. You're in it, man. You make a vow. So I get it. I get it now. Well,
0: yeah. let's, let's re- turn that one around. So once you've been cheated on, is it a myth to think that you will always be get cheated on?
2: Uh, yes. Cause I mean, it's my clients who have been cheated on. They don't necessarily all have a history of being cheated on. Cause again, it's more, you know, looking at like if they're picking an emotionally unavailable person, cause emotionally unavailable people are much more likely to cheat.
0: Okay. Most people who cheat are looking for an affair when it happens.
2: So I map out why cheating happens with my clients. And again, the vast majority did not intend to have an affair. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's some, it did kind of happen where, you know, they thought, oh, this is just a friendship or it's innocent. There's nothing going on here. You know, we haven't done anything physical, so everything's okay. You know, and again, just the lack of education or lack of communication with their partner around what cheating actually is then they can kind of fall into an affair, whether emotional or physical, you know, they get kind of in too deep before they even realize, you know, that they fell. That happens a lot.
1: Okay. Yes, I do. Only immoral or bad people cheat. I
2: say this to a lot of my clients that just because you made a bad choice doesn't mean you're a bad person. And I have, you know, a lot of my clients who have cheated, they go to church every Sunday, they volunteer, they're super funny, they're... You know, there are PTA boards. I mean, they're just... Some of them are just so amazing. And so, no, I mean, anybody can cheat. And that's something that is important for people. I mean, I'm saying that respectfully.
1: Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, I, I would say it's less about being bad and more about being broken.
2: I, I actually think, like, it's... I mean, it's opportunity or it's avoiding conflict, like lack the one of the best ways to prevent infidelity is to have open and honest communication, because even like if someone feels broken and they don't talk about it, that shame, you know, could potentially allow them to be vulnerable to someone who makes them feel amazing. And so I really try to get my clients, especially with prevention, to look at, like what are the threats to the relationship and to really make a commitment to open and honest communication forever. And so like if you're feeling unsatisfied in the marriage or in the relationship, you're unhappy or you're you're not feeling maybe good about yourself, actually talking to your partner about it can be can strengthen your relationship, can really increase the intimacy and can make you feel closer, you know, with each other.
1: And that's really important. It's been my experience and agree or, or disagree that's that cheating is not so much about the sex as it is about the power.
2: Uh, you know, I it could be about the power
1: for but a, I for a think guy. I
2: it's definitely not so much about the sex, um, as it is more about feeling special and desired. If, if you're a like, woman
0: or uh, both or both
2: male or female, yeah, I don't
0: think it matters. Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, cause you know, I actually looked at, I reviewed my, uh, a lot of my client notes, uh, before this podcast and none of them had mentioned power to wow. be honest. I mean, a lot of them were, you know, I felt my partner loved me but wasn't in love with me. I wanted to feel special, you know. This person made me feel like I was important, you know. It, it really that feeling of being desired is mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's powerful. And do you but think? It,
0: I'm sorry. That's caused by those items being absent in their relationship with their spouse, so up. they're attractive to someone who is treating them special or showing some adulation or things that they're not getting at home or they're interested.
2: Yeah. I mean, that could definitely be a factor, but the thing is, is that it's the, this is where the conflict avoidance comes in again, because I'll ask the person who cheated, did you tell your partner that this is the way you were feeling or that you were missing out on this? And they don't, they say no. I mean, even if it's uh, even sex, it's not just about the sex because it's about being, you know, wanted and loved. Like some of my clients who have cheated, their top love language is physical touch. And that includes everything, the affection, the sex. And so they don't feel like their partner is in love with them because their sex life sucks. And so it's really important, no matter what the variables are, is that the person openly communicates with their partner so that it could be addressed versus allowing yourself to then be, you know, maybe taken in by someone else. And then when you have infatuation or those feelings, you're not being rational. So you might be unfairly comparing, you know, this third party to your, you know, partner or your spouse. And that that's how so many times that's how infidelity happens. and I really do think it could be prevented.
0: Okay, so we only have a, a couple minutes left. So give us some tips. Uh, you know, how do we rebuild trust?
2: Especially after the disclosure of an affair, I highly, highly recommend as much transparency from the person who cheated, uh, because again, you know, people who are cheated on do go through PTSD symptoms, so they do feel like they're, you know, going crazy. Like your word alone isn't enough. So any actionable step that you can take to make to let your partner know that what you're saying is actually what you're doing. So like giving them access to your phone, your email, your social media. Your credit card statements, your bank statements, uh, just so you know they know that you're not up to anything. The other thing they absolutely need is to know that the affair has stopped. And you know, just saying you know we're not going to talk anymore, I promise, isn't enough. And sometimes I'll have because like we can't control the third party, right? This person might reach out. Uh, nobody can control whether they will or won't. And so when that does happen, for the person who cheated. To immediately tell their partner, and then they could decide together, you know, how they want to address that. So some of my clients have put the affair partner on speakerphone right. and said, you know, would say, "Hey, I'm here with my spouse. Uh, we no longer want you to contact us. We're working on our marriage. So please leave us alone."
0: Wow, that's a fun conversation
2: there. <clears throat> wow. Uh, and, and like that's another a fun thing uh, like a, I know, but a, I. It's so healing and like, you know, for the person who cheated, please just initiate like the initiation instead of having the partner have to like dig for information or constantly ask questions is so healing. So when you go to them and say, you know, tell me about your day. What kind of triggers did you have today? And then you ask them, do you want me to give you a hug? Do you want to talk about it? That in and of itself is so healing. And we cannot escape infidelity. I mean, it is, you cannot turn on the TV at night without there being cheating and it being romanticized as well. Right.
0: right, right. Well, Anita, we have to wrap up our show, but uh, we would like you to uh, let everybody know how they can find you online.
2: Yeah, so my my website is uh, relationshipreality312.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Anita on Love and on Facebook at Relationship Reality 312.
1: Great. Anita, this has been fantastic. And for so many reasons, uh, the first and foremost is that I think this has been just incredible information for people. I wish, like I said at the top of the show, I I wish I knew you back then. It would have really helped me. And it also, as, we're, as I'm personally listening to all this, it's just making me so grateful for my husband who, uh, and I'm going to cry because mm-hmm. um, you really, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm fragile and I really appreciate you being so kind, mm-hmm. kind and understanding. Of course. Please. And I'm, thank you so much. Of course, honey. I love you. I love you so much.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, well okay
1: beautiful. sound effects sound effects let
0: we're we're
1: that was a beautiful moment we are
0: there, no sound Sorry. effects here uh, okay. okay so there you go there, uh, no.
1: I okay. know that already right. you keep telling me that all right. I know that
0: Anita Chapala thank you so much uh, we'd love to have you back on the show and um, you have lots to offer it's great
1: thank you thank so you. much I appreciate yeah. it and thank you everybody yes. we are done being single yes.
0: Have a great weekend. Hopefully
1: everybody is too. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.